Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh, yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back in here, coast to coast on the Sports Grid Network. Jaron Harry in for Scotty Farrell here today. And we are excited. Uh, big week across the sports betting landscape, especially in the NFL. And nobody, and I mean absolutely nobody, uh, better equipped to be able to help us uh, navigate through this week 11 schedule, including a game tonight, than is our good friend, Sports Grid lead NFL analyst. Mr. Warren Sharp, live from the MGM National Harbor here. And Warren, uh, welcome in. I'm not quite sure what to do with tonight's game, and I know you can shed some light on this because both of these teams cost me money last week, both coming off of horrific losses that should not have been. So what are we looking at here tonight in this one? I think one of the things that jumped out to me from last week's game was just how dreadful this Cincinnati Bengals defense was. And that was with Hendrickson on the field for most of that game. Uh, he really only missed a couple minutes at the tail end of that. Uh, Sam Hubbard is a big problem. His absence there holding down the end and setting the edge in the run game for the Cincinnati Bengals, that's going to be a problem. They were being gashed by the Houston Texans, which was not really a good rushing offense offense prior to that game. Now they're allowing so many yards on the ground, and I think the Baltimore Ravens are going to be able to take advantage of that. And I got a prop later on that we're going to get into that I think is a great one for tonight's action that'll really play into some of the weaknesses of that Cincinnati Bengals team. In addition, you know, I think they're going to have problems through the air as well. So both of these cases are going to be uh, favoring the Baltimore Ravens offense and potentially the Baltimore Ravens offense to be able to start very quickly in this game. So I think the Ravens in some little bit of uh, first half over action. This game took a lot of over money. This game took over money in the first half. This game took over money in the full game. This game took over money early in the week. It took over money middle of the week and it's taken over money even on game day today. So I know we've got this string Joe of primetime unders and everybody's scared to bet overs in uh, primetime games. But I think this one you know the Baltimore Ravens if they can can get out here like I'm expecting they will it's going to be up on Joe Burrow and company to chase them uh, no pun intended and uh, put up some points on the scoreboard themselves so were you shocked you and I have talked about Lou Adarumo and what an amazing defensive coordinator in-game adjuster he is in the second half a lot of what we look at with Cincinnati is in the first half because we're always afraid of him shutting down the opponent in the second half but I can't remember the Cincinnati defense giving up the big play as much as they have this season it, that's got to be worrisome here tonight with the way they can throw the ball now the Ravens 100% and last week was a perfect example I talked on the show last week about how imperative it was for the Houston Texans to get out early and play with a lead pay play from a position of power in that game because if they're trailing then the Bengals know exactly what's coming it's going to be nothing but pass in the second half and that's when Louie and Arumo can really make some adjustments defensively schematically at halftime and bring some things into the game plan that he didn't start the game with to really slow down the Texans passing attack but the Texans were leading and so they could run the ball and they could attack the weakness so same thing here it's going to be imperative that the Ravens have some success and start quickly so that they can stick on the ground and have some opportunities to run the football here but 
when all said and done, I am very surprised that Luana Romo's defense has not been as efficient in the second half, but that's primarily, Joe, in my opinion, because of personnel. You know, they're down their starting safeties from last year, and when a team is playing with a lead and he's got to play run and pass in the second half, it's a lot more difficult for his young defense, and they can't be as multiple as he was and creative as he was last year when they were playing with a lead. So if the Bengals want the best opportunity here, they need to come in, they need to punch the Ravens in the mouth, they need to get up early in this game. That'll allow them to do the exact same thing uh, that the Texans did to them last week, which is play with the lead, be able to run and pass the ball. The Ravens, I was shocked that they were giving up so many yards on the ground to a Browns team that was without two starting tackles and with their third string running back, and yet they were getting gashed late, and the big difference to me in that game last week, Joe, was the simple fact the Browns were able to run the football late. They got down 14 points late in that game, but they still were running the football. They didn't go one-dimensional on the Baltimore Ravens. If they couldn't run it, they would have had to just put the ball in Deshaun Watson's hand to do nothing but pass. Probably would have been in for some trouble, but because they could run the football uh, against this Ravens defense, which was a surprise, they were able to be very balanced. So I'm really looking forward to this one. I, I think we've seen a lot of duds on Thursday night football. Not only are these two very good teams and two very good offenses, but we also have a game that's extremely important in that division. I think both of those teams last week, there, there had to be some elements of looking ahead to the Thursday night matchup here, and they, of course, looked ahead too much, dropped those games last week. Now they got to get back on track. Amazing uh, stat, Warren, that I have seen here that the Ravens have trailed for a total of 28 minutes and 46 seconds of game time this season alone. But going back last season, we've also seen them lose seven games when they had a double-digit lead in the game of at least 14 or more points. Why are they having such a hard time closing games out? I think they have in a very – this is like the 2019 Ravens to an extent. They, with their new offensive coordinator, they have a very aggressive game plan and strategy to attack defensive weaknesses early on in the game. They come out with a great script. They come out and they score points early in games and have a lot of success. However, once they're playing with a lead in the second half, there's an element of urgency that's no longer there. There's an element of a focus that they're trying to just get out of dodge, run the clock out, and maybe they become a little bit too conservative in those points in time. I can tell you there's no reason for them to do that in this game this week. They saw what happened when they did that last week. They absolutely must keep the pedal to the metal. I think the Ravens have to become more of a four-quarter offense. They can't play like the Philadelphia Eagles were playing last year, whereas remember the Eagles would jump out to big leads, take their foot off the gas offensively, and just coast on fumes with a great defense and win those games comfortably. The Ravens aren't able to do that right now, and they're certainly not able to do that without Marlon Humphrey in the secondary, who's a big loss for them. One of their better cover corners is really a dynamic playmaker on the back end of that defense. So they're going to have to figure out that we need to come out and press the pedal to the gas all four quarters. And it's okay if we're up 28 to 17. We've got to still be trying to attack and score points on this next drive. We can't just be satisfied playing a field position game. Yeah, we got, uh, I believe, no T. Higgins again, still uh, still ruled out, still with the hamstring issue. Looks like Chase is good to go. Uh, if one guy has got to show up here tonight outside of Chase and Burrow, who is it, in your opinion, Warren, for Cincinnati? Final score, St. If they could run the ball with Joe Mixon, that would be great. I don't anticipate yeah. that being the case, but take a little bit of pressure off of the passing attack, which I think is going to have to carry the load, especially if what I think ends up happening, which is from a game script perspective. But when Mixon has those carries, there might not be many. He's got to take advantage of them. He's got to bust out some big explosive plays on the Ravens, just like the Browns did. Amen. Even if it's the short passing game is the running game, he's got to have a game here tonight if they're going to be in this one. All right, coming up, we got plenty to talk about with the Buffalo Bills. We'll do that with Warren Sharp next year on Coast to Coast. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Every day, our world gets a little more connected but a little further apart. But then there are moments that remind us 
to be more human. Thank you for calling Amica Insurance. Hey, uh, I was just in an accident. Don't worry, we'll get you taken care of. At Amica, we understand that looking out for each other isn't new or groundbreaking. It's human. Amica, empathy is our best policy. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh, yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. All right, welcome back in Coast to Coast here on the Sports Grid Network. Joe Ranieri in for Scotty Farrell, and we are joined by Warren Sharp here live from the MGM National Harbor. And we've got, uh, well, we've got a lot of interesting games coming up in this week 11. We talked a little Thursday night football, and I want to talk a little dumpster fire here, uh, and that of the Buffalo Bills here, Warren, because I think that kind of eclipses exactly what we We've got going on here with this organization. McDermott fires his OC. Dorsey feels like a fall guy. Walk us through what's been going on with this Buffalo team and why are they a 500 squad at best? To me, this whole thing starts with something that happened way back after the 2020 season when this team got all the way to the AFC championship and was a couple of they should have gone for it on fourth down a couple times inside the 20 on short yardage situations. McDermott settled for field goals. Can't do that on the road against Patrick Mahomes in the AFC Championship game. They barely miss out on going to the Super Bowl. It was narrow. And what ends up happening? In the very next press conference, his end of season press conference, he says, and I quote, you have to start over. You have to rebuild the football team. You have to ask yourself the hard questions. And I can start off saying that we've got to be able to run the football better. I mean, what are we talking about here? This was back after they get they completely overhaul their offense. They become a pass-first offense. They score the second most points of any team in the NFL. They make the first AFC championship game as a result of that offense scoring like they were for the first time since 1993. And he's talking about rebuilding and he's talking about running the football more. And then he starts talking about all off season. We gotta be more physical up front. We gotta be more aggressive. We gotta be able to run the ball better. And from that point onward, things just got very contentious inside the building. The public saw some of it at some of the press conferences, especially after every big loss. There were losses after the bye week where they lost a game uh, to the Jacksonville Jaguars and they passed the ball a lot. And then they came out and blew out a team. Then the very next week, they played that rainy, windy game against the Indianapolis Colts. And they got destroyed in that game and they couldn't get the run game going. And Sean McDermott came out after that game, criticized the offensive coordinator, criticized the lack of effort from a rushing attack and why aren't we running the ball more physically and better. Then they go out and destroy the Saints on Thanksgiving. Then the very next week, they play in that hurricane-style game, that wind tunnel game against the New England Patriots, where they couldn't run the ball effectively in that one either, as the Patriots were just playing to defend the run, and the Buffalo Bills lost that game outright. And McDermott got absolutely frustrated, mad, basically yelling at some point during his press conference. Inside of that building was a mess. Dayball ends up leaving. Dorsey ends up being high. And, you know, Dayball's second year there, second year there after that pass heavy year, they did drop their early down pass rate the first three quarters from 65.7% all the way down to 61.7%, a four percentage point drop because McDermott wanted to try to run the football a little bit more. Dorsey then comes in, and he's like, this is what I've got to work with. Let me pass the ball a little bit more. He didn't go all the way up to the 65% mark that Dayball was at, but he was in the 64% range. And 
there was some contention after that season, and they obviously didn't get as far as they wanted to do either in 2021, uh, sorry, 2022. And so what happens earlier this year? Dorsey goes ahead, fine, I'll lower the run rate a little bit. They were running the ball on only 61.6% of early down plays in the first three quarters of games. That was a three percentage point drop off from what Dorsey was doing the prior year. And eventually, I'm very happy for what Kenny Dorsey did here. I believe that behind the scenes, there was an ultimatum given. You're either going to coach offense my way or you're going to get out of Dodge. And I personally have talked to many coaches around the league who ultimately did end up getting uh, ended up leaving their jobs or getting fired after the season was over. And time and time again, what many of them tell me is they wish they just drew a hard line. Say, this is the style of offense I want to have, and if you don't like it, you can fire me. And get fired mid-season like Dorsey did. Because if you don't, and your offense just looks like crap because you're doing exactly what a defensive-minded head coach wants you to do down the stretch, then that's written all over you and your resume, and that's what style of offense it looks like that you like to uh, showcase in the NFL. It doesn't look good. So um, I think ultimately, where do we go from here, Joe? I'm not quite sure. I think that Joe Brady, one thing I do know, there's no way Joe Brady's coming out here and going more up-tempo and more pass-heavy than what they were. They're going to be the same or, if anything, a little bit slower, a little bit more methodical, a little bit more deliberate offensively with more run games sprinkled in here on early downs. Whether or not that's successful, that remains to be seen. But my guess is that's probably the direction that the offense is about to take for the rest of the season. I just think there are some massive divides here in the locker room with the players, uh, seeing what's been unfolding here. And you've got the coach talking about he wants to create a culture and then within that culture a subculture and I'm thinking is this guy trying to invent a new religion here in Buffalo for the team to be worshiping at his altar what is going on here in Buffalo with this uh, trying to create all these different cultures middle of the season and changing up the staff uh, I think they do obviously have some problems but the first thing that they have to do in my opinion if you want to win games in Buffalo you have to have your quarterback who obviously is a Pro Bowl caliber quarterback he's got to feel confident He's got to feel empowered and he's got to play well. And so you got to figure out how to do all three of those things if you're going to hope to turn this thing around in 2023. Yeah, and, and well, what it can't be is try to play mediator and it can't be on the fence about it. And Josh Allen appears still to be the quarterback that he's not, I don't know if he, he's still lacking the confidence you would think, you know, he'd be like, you look like an Aaron Rodgers, or you look at some of these guys that carry themselves like, listen, it, this is, you know, he should have a little bit more say in the direction that this offense is going, but I kind of feel like we're still viewing him as a second year quarterback who's still trying to find who he is. We know who he is. Doesn't he know who he is? Well, I think the offense in 2020 was just so unlocked and open. He could run the ball when he wanted to. He could throw it all over the field. They were calling all the plays that he wanted. And ever since that point, he's had a head coach say, no, we don't want you throwing as much because you turn over. No, stop running the football as much because you're going to get hurt. And so he's just being backed up and backed up here. Here's the things you can do, but you better not do these types of things or it's going to cost us. And he's just thinking too much and he's not playing as loose and free yep. and as aggressive. I mean, he's got to play better for sure. That's that's definitely a factor, but uh, this team needs some better direction from the top on down. I, I would imagine Diggs being shut down, which can't happen against the Denver secondary. I don't care. Yes, they're playing better, but Diggs cannot be shut down and going, what, three of five? Um, you know, because he's going to get louder in that locker room as well. We already know that with the Diva wide receivers. So, and of all the defenses to fire the OC heading into the Jet defense, like what's going on here, Warren? Uh, this is going to be a digs type game. I think he had 10 catches in the week one game mm. against the Jets. I think they are going to try to go back to basics. They're going to play more deliberately. They're going to get their number one wide receiver more involved, less creative offensively maybe, but more deliberate and, and just try to avoid making mistakes. And we'll see how it ends up going. But that could result in a slightly lower scoring game. I would not expect a, a massive output here from the Bills offense against a team that they struggle with typically no matter when they play. How bad is it over if they lose to the Jets? Season over and a wholesale change is coming? 
They got to well, win I don't know this about game. More, uh, they've got to win this <laughs> game. I don't know about more wholesale changes. I don't think they can do anything. McDermott already fired his defensive coordinator like a few months ago before the season started. Now he fired his offense coordinator. All the scapegoats are gone. He's not going to fire himself yep. uh, unless the Pagulas get involved. And I doubt that happens at this point. So I think it's about just finishing out the season and try to try to scrounge up whatever you can and get back into the playoffs if you if it's possible. Well, big game in the AFC East there. Another big game coming up for the AFC East is the Miami Dolphins, who should run over the Raiders or maybe not. We'll get Warren starts on that game coming up, plus another couple of big games here in Week 11. We've got you covered as Coast to Coast continues here on The Grid. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. At Amica Insurance, we know it's more than just a house. It's your home. The place that's filled with memories. The early days of figuring it out to the later years of still figuring it out. For the place you've put down roots, trust Amica Home Insurance. Amica, empathy is our best policy. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see, so, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh, yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Jungle. This is The Lion's Share. Brought to you by BetMGM. Yes, and BetMGM customers can receive a 25% increased odds boost token to use on any NHL wager. In fact, here tonight, a minimum of minus 300 and a max stake of 25 bucks. Just sign into your BetMGM account and get all the details. And at MGM National Harbor, our good friend Warren Sharp, Sports Grid lead NFL analyst, joining us here on Coast to Coast. And uh, Warren, we talked about total dysfunction coming up here with the buffalo bills taking on the new york jets this week there's another team in the afc east that's got to be salivating right now and sees an opportunity and that being the miami dolphins if it's too good to be true and it seems like this is just a cakewalk for them to go up against the raiders is it is it that simple just lay it with miami well, that's certainly what the early money has shown us. Uh, the early money's done absolutely nothing. There's been no buyback whatsoever. It's been one-way mm -hmm. action on the Miami Dolphins here. And you look at this Raiders team. They just played two games after firing their head coach. It's a great, obvious, uh, you know, breath of fresh air inside that building. Instant karma for them. Uh, the incense is going. The cigars are going. All types of fumes in the locker room are going. And they're super happy, and they're winning these games. But who are they beating? You know, Tommy DeVito. Uh, we're not really beating these quality quarterbacks and we're going up against Zach Wilson, literally the number 31 and 32 passing attacks, both home games. Now we have to go on the road and now we have to go down to Miami and play a very upset Miami Dolphins team. You know, this team has heard all the talk for two weeks now in a row. They can't beat a good team. They can't win the big games. They're 0-3 against any time that they have to step up. But you know what they aren't, Joe? They aren't 0-3 against the crappy teams, and that's what the Raiders still are. They're 6-0 against those teams. They're winning those games by an average score of 39-20. to 20. 
is a big opportunity. The Raiders do not get enough pressure. Uh, when they do get pressure, it takes them 2.4 seconds on average to get there. That's the sixth lowest time to pressure in the NFL. Um, I think that the Miami Dolphins, yeah, they're not going to allow, uh, the Raiders are going to allow some deep shots from Tua down the field. That's okay because they're just going to dink and dunk underneath. The Raiders have only allowed seven completions of 20-plus yards on the season, the third lowest number of any defense in the league. They're really good. They sit back, they stop those. Well, they're, they're not built to stop the underneath passes. And the other thing that the Dolphins do, they play the highest rate of two running back sets, you know, 21 personnel, and the Raiders are the NFL's worst defense defending two back sets. Whether it's passing or running, the Dolphins should have success out of their two back sets here uh, and complete the passes underneath and move the football. And then I just don't know if I have confidence in a young quarterback with a run game that the team seems to be relying a little bit more on with Antonio Pierce there, but they're not going to have a ton of success running the football here against the Miami Dolphins that's been improving and that is now having Vic Fangio off of a bye week to work with this team and of course now has Jalen Ramsey back. So it definitely does set up for a difficult situation for the Raiders. I have no interest in backing them here. Yeah, well, it also explains maybe the initial move uh, maybe to the under as well, that uh, not a lot of offense from the Raiders, but a lot of dinking and dunking and not that big explosive Tyreek Hill 80-yard touchdown with Marcus Peters in the back there. I know you've got a couple of big uh, props coming up for tonight. You also have one coming up in the Detroit-Chicago game, and I wanted to ask you, are you surprised by the early money on the Bears here uh, at nine, and I'm seeing seven and a half now here, Warren. Does that shock you at all here? It doesn't shock me uh, that the number has moved all the way through the eight. It would shock me if it got to the seven. I think that would be extremely telling as to what the what the real professionals, not the limits, are going to be raised, where they're coming in on this game. And if it doesn't go back up to like eight, then I think we know that you better be figuring out ways to get exposure to the Chicago Bears here. Justin Fields is doing some things during his time off. He's not just healing his thumb. He's also been doing some other things to improve the offense and to fix some of the deficiencies that that were plaguing him at the start of the year from a, uh, from a dropback perspective and from the way that they are executing this offense. So I do think that we're going to see a little bit of an improvement there. The other thing, well, we'll talk about it momentarily, another aspect to this game that I think is going to be really intriguing. All right, so let's talk uh, some props here because I know you have one in this game that you like along with a couple tonight. So let's start with uh, Detroit and Chicago. How are you approaching this from a prop betting perspective? Yeah, Jameer Gibbs over 21 and a half receiving yards. I think it's up to 23 and a half after we bet that earlier today. Uh, look, Jameer Gibbs has gone over this number and it's not even been close. It's three straight games of 30 plus yards receiving. But the one thing about this Bears defense that a lot of people don't realize, I talked about it on the show earlier uh, last week. There are a number of defenses that you wouldn't expect to be really good against the run. But the Chicago Bears are one of those defenses really good against the run. In fact, no defense allows fewer yards per carry than do the Chicago Bears. But they're absolutely getting torched by running backs in the receiving game. They're allowing the most yards per pass attempt when running backs are targeted through the air. This sets up perfectly for Jameer Gibbs to have some success. And I went through from week one all the way through to week 10. I bet the over on uh, the Miles Sanders receiving yards last week. That ended up hitting. I bet the over on Alvin Kamara in week nine. That hit as well. And I bet the over on Austin Eckler in week eight. And as a matter of fact, they've held a running back under 22 receiving yards only two out of 10 games. They've allowed 11 running backs this year. They've only played 10 games. They've had 11 running backs to clear over 22 receiving yards. And most of the time, they're sometimes allowing two running backs from games, such as Kamara and Kendra Miller. Both guys had 31-plus receiving yards. When they played the Washington Commanders, Brian Robinson and Antonio Gibson, 33 and 64 receiving yards. Jaleel McLaughlin and Samaj P. Ryan both eclipsed this number as well when they played the Denver wow. Broncos. So uh, I, think, I think this is a great smash spot for uh, Jameer Gibbs here. I think this number is way too low. I think there's still a ton of value, even at 23 and a half. And I'm guessing Montez Sweat, who has made actually a difference. Uh, not a lot of clean pockets for Jared Goff. Maybe a little dump off pass. And next thing you know, I mean, how many do you need to get over 23 and a half yards? That's, you know, that's one pass that could go, uh, that could go to the house. No. 
He's so good, yeah. Oh my goodness, I love this guy. All right, so you have, uh, you got Detroit, Chicago, you got a couple for tonight with Baltimore. Talk to us about the prop betting market here, who you're looking at. Yeah, I'm looking at another explosive player to go over his longest rush, and that's Keaton Mitchell, uh, over 13 and a half, his longest rushing attempt. Uh, he's been clearing this in his last several games, and then there was some discussion last week that they need to get him more involved in the offense. Certainly, I mean, why, why wouldn't you? Um, reminds me of back in the old days uh, with the Pittsburgh Steelers when Sammy Parker came out, and you know, or sorry, Willie Parker came out. It's just like Parker. fast Willie Parker. We got to get him more involved. Figure out ways to get the ball. To him. These guys, sometimes the spark doesn't last, like the fire doesn't burn super long, but you've got to take advantage of it when it's there. Uh, it's a difference maker, not just flipping the field, but scoring from distances. Uh, explosive plays in today's NFL, Joe, with the way that defenses are playing, especially down inside of the red zone, how offensive efficiency down inside the red zone is tailing off. Uh, getting explosive plays, especially explosive touchdowns, are rare and they're very valuable. And so I think getting a little bit more from him, and uh, we talked about it. The Cincinnati Bengals run defense is absolutely terrible. They were gashed last week by a bad Houston Texans rushing attack. They're without Sam Hubbard, who really is a great defensive end and helping hold up against the run. And we don't know if Trey Henderson is going to be 100%, 90%, 80%. Will he leave at some point during the game? Um, he's more of a factor in the passing game. But still, this defensive front is weakened by injuries. They don't have the same guys at safety to come down and help stop the run like they did last year if they need to. And so I think there's going to be opportunities here for him to have at least one run of 14 plus yards. We'll talk about, uh, we'll run down the list here uh, coming up, talk about uh, some of these other games coming up. But real quick, I noticed the thing that stuck out to me Monday night, a rematch of the uh, Super Bowl, last Super Bowl, but I don't think it's going to resemble anything like that, and neither does the market, because the total of all things is the thing dropping right now. Warren, does that surprise you? It does not surprise me when I looked at the weather forecast. This weather does look problematic at this point in time. It's Thursday afternoon. We have to be very careful to keep our eye, one eye, on the weather as we're handicapping all the NFL games late November throughout the rest of the regular season and into the postseason. But a lot of early money came in for two reasons. Number one, from the handicap, this was 48. My model made it a little bit lower than that. And then you got the weather stacked on top of that as well. Uh, both defenses are pretty stout. Um, the Chiefs are really good against the pass. The Eagles are really good against the run. And you've had both teams with time to think about this game and prepare a game plan for a team that they've already prepared against in the Super Bowl. It means a lot to this Eagles defense. They're so mad that they were slipping all over the field in the last game. We'll see if it's raining and potentially sleet coming down in this one to cause their footing to be problematic uh, for a second straight game against the Chiefs, but they certainly want to be able to extract some revenge here. Yeah, great. That's, uh, I, I think they had it circled on the calendar more than Kansas City for sure, but uh, it's finally another good primetime Monday night game that we've got to look forward to. All right, when we come back, Warren, we're going to play a game. It's called How Low Will It Go? And I'll give you three guesses as to which total on the NFL board we're going to talk about coming up because it's dropping as we are speaking right now. But we'll talk uh, some Dallas Cowboys. We'll talk some uh, Chargers in Green Bay. We got a lot more to cover here with Warren Sharp live from MGM National Harbor. We'll do that when we come back here as Coast to coast is continuing to roll on here on the grid come back and join us sportsgrid.com betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24 7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering real-time odds predictive betting models expert picks and more want the edge then get on the grid sportsgrid.com at amica insurance we know it's more than just a car it's the two-door coupe that was there for your first drive. The hatchback that took you cross-country and back. And the minivan that tackles the weekly carpool. For the cars you couldn't live without, trust Amica Auto Insurance. Amica. Empathy is our best policy. 
Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh, yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. All right, welcome back in coast-to-coast uh, coast here on the Sports Grid Network. Joe Ranieri in for Scotty Farrell here today. We are joined by the Sports Grid's lead NFL analyst, Warren Sharp, live from the MGM National Harbor. And, Warren, uh, we've covered some games. Let's see if we can bang out a few more here before the top of the hour. And I want to start with playing that game on how low will it go because here we are in week 11 and I'm looking at a total of 33, and that being Pittsburgh and Cleveland. Now, we know Deshaun Watson, obviously, that announcement came out. DTR is going to be the QB. But we're in week 11. There's no major, you know, nor'easter running through during this. How are we looking at 33 points in an NFL game is beyond me here at this point, Warren. It is absolutely crazy. Uh, 33 points. Never saw, thought we'd see the day that we are looking at like preseason lines for regular season games uh, when backups and third stringers are getting into the games there. But look, we've got a Pittsburgh Steelers team that did most of the damage last game against the Browns defensively, scoring multiple times with their offense not being on the field. We've got a quarterback in Kenny Pickett who is averaging the last three games. And mind you, these were home games in Pittsburgh one of which was against the number 27-ranked Titans defense, one of which was against the number 12-ranked pass defense of the Green Bay Packers who were playing without their number one cover corner, Jair Alexander. He's averaging just mm -hmm. 119.7 passing yards per game. 119.7 passing yards. Over three-game sample at home. Now he's going on the road against the third-best pass defense in the NFL. And good luck. Good luck. I, I'm, I'm, that's why the total is as low as it is. Now, DTR also going up against the Steelers' defense that gave all the Browns quarterbacks historically a lot of problems is going to be a challenge for the Browns' offense. But, you know, they're going to try to make life easy, keep it simple for him. And as long as they don't fall into a hole, they're going to be able to be balanced with the short passing game. The key is keep them out of pressure, uh, keep them away from those negative plays that lost them the game against the Steelers the first time around. Going to be uh, not a whole lot of fun in that game, I don't think, uh, if you like offense. I got another game for you here. I I'm a little miffed. Uh, I don't see a lot separating the Chargers and Green Bay, but maybe recency bias, people thinking that, well, look, they dropped them 40 points against Detroit and Green Bay couldn't be pissed. But the numbers don't bear that out. These two teams, certainly defensively, and offensively, there's not a lot separating them, but they're a road favorite. Do you trust the Chargers? Well, I don't know what's going on with Justin Herbert's finger. I mean, still, it's like your finger on your non-throwing hand, and every time he drops it's... back in the pocket to scan, the, to throw the ball down the field, it's like this is an, an impact to him. It's affecting him. should only be affecting him when he's taking a hit to it or he's falling to the ground, but it seems like it's altering his entire offense. I also have big question marks. we got to pay close attention to Keenan Allen, who jammed his shoulder in last week's game, is on the injury report, did not practice last game, and if he's out, you, you, you might as well definitely not bet on the Chargers here but the one angle in this game that I just cannot avoid thinking about is how bad the Packers are in the first half of games and how good the Chargers are in the first half of games. The Chargers have one of the highest scoring offenses in the NFL in the first half. They've been coming out aggressively, putting up points and the Packers offenses, as Packer fans well know, terrible in the first half of games. They continue to fall into a hole. The game scripting has been god-awful and their quarterback play has been terrible. I think Jordan Love has the lowest completion rate of 
any quarterback in the NFL. And that includes some really bad quarterbacks uh, that aren't as highly pedigreed as he is. So uh, there's struggles on both of these teams, I think, to some extent, playing on the road here in Lambeau for the uh, L.A. Chargers. It's all a matter of can they start quickly here. If they don't start out quickly, the Packers are absolutely going to be in this game from start to finish. You got, uh, I, I believe Tommy DeVito has already named the starter again. I mean, who, who are we kidding here? At this particular point, I can't, I can't watch a dude throw for 16 yards again in a game and think that we're going to get anything other than a blowout. Are they? Are we missing something here? Are Giants are just strictly a bet against in some way, shape, or form? Yeah, I mean... We don't know exactly how low we can go. We talked about that earlier. How low can this total go? Yep. Uh, how, how low yep. can the offense of the Giants go? Uh, are they looking to try to get that uh, top pick in the draft next year? We'll have to see. But one of the interesting factors in this game is the change that will uh, that the Washington Commanders offense has made with Sam Howe and how they've been throwing the football quicker and shorter over the last several weeks, and that's massively helped out his sack taking. In that game against the Giants last go-round, he was sacked seven times, or six or seven. He's been sacked six or seven times in three games since that game. So they've been getting the ball out of his hands quicker. They've been throwing a lot shorter, and that's exactly what they're going to be able to do here against this iteration of the Giants. It's going to be a lot of blitzes that don't get home because the Giants love to blitz, and Howell's going to be getting the ball out of his hands a lot quicker here. That's how I think this game's going to go. So we, we know the M.O. with Dallas, right? Here, Warren, uh, if you are under 500, you're going to lose by 40. If you are an above 500 team, you're going to have a problem there, Dallas, winning games and covering. Uh, Carolina making a play call. I believe Frank Wright announced today that he's going to be taking over a play calling duty. Does it matter who's called? You and I could probably call the plays. I think the results are the same here. What are we getting with Dallas and Carolina? Another blowout? Well, I could tell you that this is not a game on the road for the Dallas Cowboys that I'm running to get out in front of. They obviously had a great coming out party last week. I, I think the Dak Prescott and crew are feeling good. They obviously dropped that game to Philadelphia. They had their chances. They got that uh, energy out of them last week by winning that game in a big way. But this game going on the road, it comes down to me, how well does this Carolina Panthers defense stack up against the offense of the Dallas Cowboys? Because this Carolina Panthers offense is not going to have a whole lot of success here. You know, the, the Carolina Panthers have to figure out a way defensively to muddy up this game a ton. They have to have possession offensively. They have to convert on th third downs, keep Bryce Young out of third and long situations because he's not going to convert there. You got to be productive on early downs. I mean, I could go on a diatribe about Frank Reich and this offense in general, but I'll, I'll save the listeners from that. I'll just say this. They've got to figure out a way to be efficient enough on early downs and keep Bryce Young upright, avoid those negative plays. It's far easier said than done, but this is one spot. I'm not really running to back the Dallas Cowboys here. Um, I, not that I think the Carolina Panthers are going to win this game outright, but there's enough chatter in the background to tell me that the Carolina Panthers could be live this spot. So we, uh, it's one thing to bet on a uh, Houston Texans team as an underdog. It's a totally different thing when they are a five, five and a half point favorite. Plus, seems we've got a little bit of a rejuvenated Arizona Cardinals team with Kyler Murray back. Uh, I believe they just signed Michael Carter uh, from the uh, off of waivers from the Jets. Connor is back. Wilson's there. Are we so bought into the Texans that we should be looking laying five, five and a half against Arizona? I just want to wait another game to see how much rust Kyler Murray was able to shake off in that first performance. He is such a dynamic player, and the key thing with Kyler Murray that we need to just consider is we're so used to what Kyler Murray is like in week 11 of most seasons, and by week 11 of most seasons, he's beat up. His lower body is injured, he's dealing with one thing or another, and he's not 100%, and so much of his play... Be, uh, he thrives when he is able to get out of pressure. He's able to make positive plays happen with his legs. And so he looks 100% healthy at this point. That's something that he's not usually at this time of the year. 
I'm not willing to lay the points yet with the Houston Texans and trust them to know how to play with a lead. I'm, I'm also not willing to say that I don't think that Kyler Murray could come in through the back door against a team like the Houston Texans, whose defense is very problematic as well. So I've done nothing side or total on this one. Um, I think it's going to be one of the more entertaining and interesting games of the week. It's not going to get a lot of marquee action, but features two quarterbacks that are going to be able to duel with one another here. I'm looking forward to watching it. The Arizona Cardinals, their defense should be pretty ABC cookie cutter for this offense of C.J. Stroud and the Houston Texans because they don't blitz. They play the second highest rate of cover two or two high safeties. They're going to be able to uh, – C.J. Stroud's going to drop back and know exactly what's coming towards him. So it's, it's on him if he doesn't look good in this spot. I was shocked when I looked back at my strength of schedule results. Those first seven weeks, C.J. Stroud played – six top ten defenses in those seven weeks and now he's finally going up against the worst defense in the NFL and he's going up against them at home I'd love to see him build on his performance to date and have a really great game here they're throwing more on first down they're done with the whole running thing so they're they're giving him an opportunity to be able to do his thing early uh what happened uh, Jacksonville Tennessee division rivals Tennessee's out of it already hard to believe but yes they're done Will Levis now it's his turn I, what do we get from Jacksonville here though I have no idea I have no idea either. We, we've got more film on Will Levis. We understand what he likes to do, what bothers him in the pocket, where their strengths are. So this is a benefit to the Jaguars team that just got absolutely run roughshod over by the San Francisco 49ers last week. Uh, it's going to come down to what it always does typically against the Jacksonville Jaguars this season. Can you protect the quarterback Trevor Lawrence because he's been horrendous under pressure this year one of the worst quarterbacks in the NFL the most sensitive quarterback in terms of how good he is when he's not being pressured versus how bad he is when he does get pressured night and day I don't understand why they don't have more answers for him they have far too talented running backs and receivers in the pass catching game to be able to have him drop this far down simply when he's being pressured uh, but he was better last year regressed massively this year that's what this game boils down to for me so the uh, Tampa Bay Bucks and the 49ers, have the 49ers righted the ship here? Or do we see another max effort from Purdy here in this one? Absolutely. I think this 49ers team is going up against a Bucks defense that you also know what you're going to get. You're going to get blitzing at one of the highest rates. They blitz at the third highest rate in the NFL. But the interesting element, when they blitz, they allow the most yards per attempt to opposing quarterbacks. And the reason they allowed so many yards per attempt to quarterbacks is because they allow the fourth most yards after catch to opposing receivers when blitzes are occurring. And what do the 49ers thrive on? Brock Purdy, I think he ranks 22 in his target depth when he's blitzed. He's averaging 7.1 air yards per attempt. So he's not chucking the ball down the field like some quarterbacks do when he's being blitzed. But what he does is he dumps it off and he's got guys who are great after the catch who could take advantage of a defense that already is the worst in the NFL at allowing yardage on completions when a blitz has been called. So I think that Purdy and this 49ers offense is very well suited to go up against this style of defense that Todd Bowles has here. It just is going to come down to on the other side of the ball. How well does Baker Mayfield do? We just talked about Trevor Lawrence struggling under pressure. Well, Baker Mayfield, surprisingly enough this year, his numbers against pressure are actually really good. When he's blitzed or when he's pressured, they know where to go with the football. They have really good results in general. I think he's like top five in the NFL this year when he's being pressured. So that's going to be a difference here. Can he actually hold up on the other side? Because I do think that the Niners are going to get theirs when they have the football. And that's so shocking, Warren, because you and I have talked about it. In his career, he has been horrific when under pressure. That's always been his issue, and yet something clicked this year. I have no idea. Maybe it's the ghost of Tom Brady. I have no idea. We do have a couple more games, though. We'll run through as we look to close out this hour of Coast to Coast on the Grid. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. 
jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio, and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh, yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. All right, looking to close out this hour of Coast to Coast. Warren Sharp joining us from MGM National Harbor. Uh, Warren, let's get to two final games here. NFC West matchup, Rams and Seattle, and it looks like Stafford is back for the Rams. He is, and what never is left for the Rams is their ability to have success against Pete Carroll's squad. They've covered six straight games against the Seattle Seahawks. The 49ers really know how to play against Sean McVay, and Sean McVay really knows how to play against Pete Carroll. It's amazing how some of these teams have the other team's numbers in these divisional meetings over there in the NFC West, but I think this is a game that Cooper Cup is going to have to step up. They like to target him in the slot. He plays 50% of his snaps in the slot. The Seahawks are weak against slot receivers this year um, and the Seahawks defense has not been quite as stellar over the last several weeks. There's been more chinks in the armor that have opened up here the last several weeks for the Seattle Seahawks defense opportunities for the Rams. I'm excited interested in that game. Maybe a little teaser opportunity uh, if the Rams stay as a one point dog. You can use a six and a half. You got to get through the seven. If it goes up to one and a half you can just use a six pointer but I might be looking to add later this week a little bit of Rams teaser action. Don't know why defenses keep turning their back on Joshua Dobbs because he keeps running all over them. So what happens against Denver this week, Warren? Denver's had problems on the ground stopping running backs. We saw James Cook have several explosives last week. That should allow the Vikings to have some success on the ground here. The thing I'm wondering is, does this opening drive script of Sean Payton continue? He's so good at the beginning of games and being able to build some of these leads, and then he doesn't have to ask Russell Wilson to do very much. We saw in last week's game against the Bills, he's so comfortable just punting the ball away, playing field position. So this game's going to come down to how quickly the Denver Broncos can get out here. Otherwise, I kind of like the Minnesota Vikings. That could be another teaser piece to close out that L.A. Rams one. They have been outgained in their last two wins. Will it be a third time? We'll have to wait and see. Warren Sharp, we appreciate it as always. Enjoy the game here tonight. Coast to Coast returns after this. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) <laughs> That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.